Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I am Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 43 through 48 of The Lost Hero. I would like to talk about how I'm... <laughs> On Instagram, I put out, and Twitter, I put out an ask based on, like, this other tweet that was, like, describe the po- your podcast in one word, and half of you said unhinged. <laughs> I literally texted Erin, and I was like, good to see that our followers all think we're absolutely insane. I'm like, well, I guess that's, you know what, we did say that here at Camp Half Pod, we think unhinged is a good thing. That so, you know, fight the system. <laughs> Our own system that we created? No, no, the, sy- the world wants you to be hinged. <laughs> <laughs> Our family and friends are begging us to be hinged and we refuse. <laughs> we say no. <laughs> oh man, I did love there was someone who responded with spark notes and I thought that was yeah. very funny. That was really good. I like to think, I like that. I think we'd make a fun Spark Notes. Mm-hmm. An unhinged Spark. I mean, Spark Notes, like, I follow their um, Instagram and you should too. They're really funny. Very on quality Twitter. memes, yes. Yeah. So, everyone go follow Spark Notes. <laughs> yeah. This is a shout out, not sponsored. Not sponsored. I and mean, we are the Percy Jackson Spark Jackson. Notes. Jackson. The Percy Jackson Spark Notes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that for us. I think that's good. All right. We're 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 coming up to the end. I think we only have one more after this, right? Yeah. And these ones were so short. Because, yeah, in the next episode, we'll just finish the book. So we'll do like eight chapters instead of six. But it looks like they're also going to continue to be like two page long chapters. So it'll still be very short, <laughs> which I guess is good. <laughs> I think Rick uh, got himself into a bit of a trap having so many uh, POVs. Mm-hmm. but not a lot of content, but also a lot of things happen, but he needs everyone to speak a little bit from their side. It's all, like, bottlenecked at the end, too. Yeah. Like, suddenly, like, a lot of things are happening, and I'm like, wait, what are they trying to do anymore? I don't know. <laughs> Who's Jason? <laughs> I know. At this point, I'm like, if you try to tell me what happened in this book, I would say, like, oh, that's a different book entirely because it feels yeah. like it's been 7,000 years. Yeah. The first half of it, I feel like I could summarize. The second half, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm lost. I'm the lost hero. <laughs> I cannot tell you how this book is going to end, which is really funny because I have no idea, like, I can't remember and I have no idea what direction. Like, obviously, like, things have to progress forward enough that, like, the prophecy continues, but at the same time, I'm like, how can you only have eight chapters left and how can you still have eight chapters left? Yeah, and they're not long. So. No. <laughs> we're we're very close to the ending. We're just, you know what, we're close to Percy. I know. And, and to, like... like the prophecy, because the pro- I mean, there were like three prophecies in this book, but there was like that weird one she gave to Jason, and then there was the seven prophecy, but I feel like nothing really in the seven prophecy has happened yet. It's like last book they wait for or something. Yeah, yeah. So, but we'll get like more, I think, info on it going forward. Well, to summarize, it's time to battle our villain. I thought apparently there's more villains and save our dad. 
everyone's a villain in this. <laughs> There's so many enemies. Specifically, yeah. the characters you're reading from are actually the villains because they're torturing me specifically. <laughs> There's I I miss the days of Crook being the only villain. <laughs> I know. At least Crook was funny. He like, was so funny. These oh. these villains need to get better. They need sass. Like Gaia or Gia or whatever. She's not funny. <laughs> no, she's boring. She's like, yeah. I'm a grandmother, but I'm she's also not even the awake. Earth. I know. <laughs> she's asleep. She's mud. <laughs> she's just a sleepy pile of mud. All the giants, they're boring and ugly. <laughs> Luke was funny and hot. Oh, sorry, specific- Crook. Crook. Specifically from Percy. Maybe that's what the problem is, is we need Percy's lens of mm. describing all of these giants. He'd be like, just, just so homoerotic, just focusing on like shirtlessness and biceps. He'd be like, his chest was scaly, but like it was really ripped. Like, I think he works out. <laughs> like, damn, like I, he could pick me like, up and damn. throw me over his shoulder in a friend way. Percy's like, step on me, Porphyrion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, continuing. Well, okay. Well, this is Jason, chapters 43 to 44. Okay, starting chapter 43 off, for somehow the hundredth time in this goddamn book, Jason <laughs> thinks he's dead. He had been fighting pretty well. Instinct basically told him that he had fought enemies this large before. But Gia was getting stronger, which meant that the giants were getting faster and Jason was getting tired. He focuses all of his energy on keeping the giants distracted so his friends can finish their tasks. In a last-ditch attempt, Jason rolls between the giant's legs and tries to stab him at the small of his back. But the giant is too fast and basically sweeps Jason aside with like this huge strike of power that should have killed Jason, but he's somehow still alive, just weaponless and steaming, as Enceladus stands over him with a spear about to strike. And that is the entire fucking chapter. It's the shortest chapter in this <laughs> entire book. And it's all action. It's all Give action. Give me more. This is why we need a villain monologue. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least make it a little bit interesting. All right, so chapter 44. Time seems to slow down, and Jason feels like he's sinking into the earth about to die. Suddenly, hears Leo's voice shout, Heads up! And a large metal wedge slams into the giant and sends him toppling into the pit. Piper grabs Jason and pulls him to his feet. He's feeling lightheaded, but he's like, Wow, Piper is so hot. It gives me strength. And I was like, Wow, that's hot people privilege right there. Just like reignite a man's desire to fight just by simply standing there. I know. I would love the power power. that woman has. Why does she should use it on everyone? (laughs) To be fair, I think the opposite would be really fun too. Just being so ugly, you make everyone want to die immediately. (laughs) It's about I'm um, ugly and I'm proud. (laughs) Diversity, both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Enceladus is slowly starting to rise. A huge axe is sticking out of his breastplate and he pulls it out in like a super macho way and just like is bleeding all over, but he's fine. He's like, you will not be able to kill me. His armor begins to heal itself and for some reason he has a fate that's preordained. He's like, the fate that was preordained says that no god or hero can kill me. And Jason's like, but both can because for some reason he knows this information. 
And the giants... I want to start saying anytime someone is like, oh, you have to do this, I'll be like, well, actually, the fates preordain that I don't. Definitely. So, so uh, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the demigods and the gods have to work together in order to defeat him. Which is convenient, because all of the gods are like, currently giving their children the silent treatment. <laughs> Jason dives at the giant's feet, tackling him and putting him in a headlock. I was like, how big are Jason's oh. arms? Like, he's just, like, wrestling wow. with this man. Jason. I know. And he prays to his father to save his friends. In that moment, they all smell the metallic scent of a storm, and Jason yells to his friends to fall flat. At that moment, lightning surges through Jason's body into Enceladus, and Jason is thrown to the side. The lightning cracks the earth open, and Enceladus helplessly slides in, trying to finish his villain monologue before he disappears, but he only makes it like halfway through, and it's pretty embarrassing. He's like, Olympus will fall, you'll never defeat, and he disappears. (laughs) They've won! Jason and Leo are a little bit delirious, and at this point is when Coach Hedge decides to wake up and try to be useful. It's like after everything's over. Piper runs to her father, who looks so traumatized that he barely recognizes his own daughter. Jason says they need to leave, and they look up into the sky to see some helicopters, presumably fire and rescue, heading towards them. So my only note is that it bums me out that we get everyone's point of view but jason does all of the fighting it's and it seems to be almost easy like the reason i loved i mean it was also i mean written for a younger audience the reason i loved percy's fight scenes is they were so stupid like he solved his problems in the most useless way possible like throwing back to space food into the the cat's mouth the cat it was a lion oh yeah the lion sorry Whereas Jason is like, I'll just wrestle the giant, and I'm so hot and strong and just, like, sexy, it's gonna work. I can put my arms all the way around its neck. Yeah, this is how ripped I am. Or how weird my slender man arms are. (laughs) Wait, yeah, it's not that he's ripped, it's that he has long slender man arms with lightning shooting out of it. I know. And I was like, I guess. And that was kind of a bummer. And even Lancelotus, who's been, like, talked up to being this really, like, fearsome villain. Like, we've spent the entire book kind of getting towards him. It's really boring. Yeah, all he is is just, like, he got lightning. He's a lightning-cooked enchilada. Uh, Sam, could you add some booze (laughs) to the background of that? Thank you so much. (laughs) It wasn't even a pun. It was just a stupid thing I said. <laughs> I think it's kind of like, you know, with a dog, you treat them treat tricks. Uh-huh. Treat them tricks. Jesus Christ. What are you trying to say to me? <laughs> I think we need some positive and negative reinforcement. That's all I'm saying. Of what? Of me? <laughs> of you. Not me, I'm flawless. I'm just a dog. <laughs> it's an upgrade from a worm. You made yourself the worm. I know You this. chose that. I know, I know this. But I can still be upset about it. Okay. On to the Piper chapters. Chapters 45 and 46. So chapter 45. Piper uses her charm speak to quote-unquote borrow a park service helicopter and get them out and fly them to the Oakland airport. She basically has like the pilot in a trance this whole time. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Her it's like dad the force. is 
Yeah, it's like <laughs> the force. Her dad is rightfully so freaking out. And it's really hard for Piper to see her dad like this, in this totally broken, crying position. She has to be the parent to him and comfort him. And once she gets her dad on the plane, she tells him the truth about who her mom is, how it was Aphrodite. Like, you you gotta imagine, like, I know he's freaking out, but I imagine he must feel really good about himself that he bagged Aphrodite. Right? Like, damn. He shouldn't be so upset. He should be happy. <laughs> He should be grateful. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he's been traumatized. Um, and she tells him how she's a demigod, and he's reeling from the trauma of it all, but he's also so proud of Piper, and he tells her that. And, you know, like, that's what Piper's been searching for from him mm. for this whole book, like, the side plot of her wanting her dad to pay attention to her from the many, many side plots that are going on that I lose track of. Piper thinks about that vial that Aphrodite gave her in the last Piper chapters and how could she possibly erase his memories now that he finally truly sees her for who she is and is proud of her. But then she's like, also, how can I let him live like this? He's super traumatized, basically unable to do anything. And she's like, he worked so hard to build his life as the super movie star and all of that will come tumbling down if he... Um, remembers everything, apparently. Mm. So as they fly over the Bay Area, she ponders this, and Jason is also really deep in thought and, like, pointing out landmarks in the Bay Area, and specifically about the Caldecott Tunnel, which he recognizes from his past life. Which, like, having read the rest of the books, I'm like, oh, that's, like, the entrance to Camp Jupiter. But, like, I feel like the first time I read this, I was like, what is he? <laughs> Shut up! Like... <laughs> Does he know the landmarks, or has he just once visited San Francisco? Right. Or the Bay Area. Yeah, he went on a tour once. Yeah. Okay, and then chapter 46. Piper charms speaks her way into landing at the airport. They still need to go save Hera, because that whole plot is still going on <laughs> that I forgot about. But first, she needs to make sure that her dad gets home safely. Her dad tells her that he doesn't want her to abandon his her quest, and um, Hedge agrees to watch over her dad. She gets some alone time with her dad to say bye, and her dad laments about how he failed her. Piper pulls out the vial from Aphrodite and tells him that if he takes it, it'll make it like none of this ever happened. Which I like that she, like, made let him make that decision to take this vial. Mm -hmm. And her dad says that he doesn't want to forget that she's a hero. Um, he tells her that he loves her and that the reason he always pushed her away was because he didn't want her exposed to his life. Not his past, where he grew up in poverty, nor his current life in Hollywood under the, with the paparazzi. So he always, everything he's done has been trying to protect her. And she realizes this. So Piper hands him the vial and tells him to take it, and that someday, maybe they'll be able to talk about it again when he's ready. And so he drinks the liquid, passes out, and <laughs> he's like, alright, gonna forget, and Hedge takes him home on the plane. And Piper cries as she watches them fly away while Jason hugs her. And Leo pulls Kleenex out of his bag, which I was like, I love when dumb boys try to support, like, their sad lady friend in fiction. It's very funny to me. They're like, always can just I like, give you this egg in your time of need? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the vibe. And she's, like, thinking about how much these dumb boys mean to her and how much it meant to sacrifice the quest to save her dad, which they all did, like, without any questions. And she can't put it into words, and she realizes she doesn't need to. She knows that they understand. 
one of my notes that I will just bring up here is that I really am not a fan that the solution to Piper's dad's trauma is erase the memory. Like, like I find that really, like, in, what? Like, I think he could have, you know, gone to therapy and then supported Piper, like, from afar. I don't like this outcome for him. I have more questions because of this information. Because now, I mean, now we know that obviously Aphrodite had to fake a pregnancy, go through the whole thing to make him believe that she, like, birthed Piper, right? Yeah, or can, can gods just pop out a baby? But if so, like... Since he doesn't know she's a god, it would exactly. have had to have been nine months from what like did she does it does she just wait? Did she just have the baby like waiting hidden hidden somewhere? Did she like manipulate his memory? Did in she the beginning? go through pregnancy? Did she choose to be pregnant? I like I have so many questions and also like yeah, that's also so shitty because at that point he's gonna back go back to thinking like Piper stealing things again and yeah. also like you get this like very uncomfortable position I and mean, I guess that's a very much a parent thing an adult thing where you hope that they look at their lives and what they're saying and like for example he didn't want to expose her to po- like his life in poverty and all of that stuff and then he doesn't want to expose her to the light that he has in Hollywood and that my question is like you don't have to continue to be in Hollywood. Like he yeah. clearly has made enough money that he could do something else and raise his daughter separately if that is his biggest concern like he's claiming it to be, but it kind of sounds like it's not. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I just find it really funny. Like I doubt Rick thought this hard, but I think it's really funny that this message is just like have trauma, forget it. <laughs> like just forget Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. Yeah. Anyway, um, I feel like I have more thoughts on that, but, like, I just, I wish her dad could have kind of done the cool role that, like, Annabeth's dad did. Like, you know, he'd come in and, like, fly a helicopter, except the version of whatever, like, Hollywood people do. I don't know, like, smile. (laughs) Call the lawyer, yeah. Call the lawyer in. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It sucks for Piper. But I do think it's, like, I don't think it's necessarily, like, a bad part of the story. No, I think it's interesting. It's very complicated for for his character. So then, as she's standing there watching her dad leave, next to Jason, the air begins to shimmer. It is an iris message from Talia, who's like, surprise, we still have more quest. (laughs) Talia has found Hera and asks where they are, and she tells them to get to the wolf house. It's not far. Though she still gives Jason no information about where it is, and says, get there before sunset or else it'll be too late. Talia says that Porphyrion is rising and it's worse than she realized. She tells Jason when he asks once again, he's like, where the hell is this? And she's like, it was our last trip together, which is so mysterious. The park where she'd last seen him. So this jogs some kind of memory in Jason and he knows where to go. Piper Charm speaks the ranger pilot again to let them take the plane and Leo takes over the controls to take them to their final battle of this book. I think. Unless there's another <laughs> no <one>. idea <laughs> hidden in there somehow. Um, of my notes, I've realized that I really love the trope of in it's usually in kids' books, like when the kids are doing the majority of like the quest or whatever they're doing, when the adults find out about it. 
I love that. And they're always shook. It's always in, like, Santa Claus movies, too, <laughs> when the adults are like, oh, my God, Santa's real. I should have listened to my kids the whole time. I mean, it's also yeah. the plot of every horror movie, right? If the kids yeah. like, my imaginary friend has been eating my face every day, and parents, when they finally see the demon, are like, my kid was right. Oh, yeah. that's a cool, I like that plot, eating their face. <laughs> okay. It's just like something that's so horrifying that the kid is just kind of like, hey, this is a big concern for me, parental figure. And the parent is like, my kid has such a wacky imagination. Also, my wife is insane, but that's because of hormones. (laughs) Women. Women. (laughs) Yeah, I love that trope. And I think that's also a reason why I don't like personally like that Piper's dad is just like, gonna forget it because i like when they like are introduced into the world that their kids been the whole time it's cool um i also thought that piper having to parent her dad is really heartbreaking like i think that's like a moment that most people at some point experience like whether when they're a kid or when they're an adult when like Mm -hmm. if they have a parent in their life like that switch of like even like in a moment it's like either emotionally or physically having to be like oh i'm kind of being the rational one here like what's going on and so i think that's like it's it's cool that that's included in a kid's book i feel like that happens quite a bit but not like a parent in these books it's a Mm -hmm. lot of just like adult figures just not being the support system that these kids need and so the kids end up being the adults in the situation yeah it's repeated over and over again yeah and i i like this like very explicit it's her dad and she says this is weird because she's never seen him like this Mm -hmm. and it's quite sad um okay (laughs) one other bigger note is so piper i didn't include this in the summary but piper mentions feeling really conflicted about her charm speak manipulating people to which i'm like shush go off manipulate them but i also like (laughs) someone once told me like a a a supervisor in a internship i was in that like every interaction is a manipulation unless you work harder to be impartial and it like blew my mind like i'm like anytime you go to a friend for advice even if they're like they have your best interest at heart they're obviously going to project like what they would do onto you and what they think is the best interest and like it's way harder to be impartial so anyways everyone's always manipulating people so piper go off like (laughs) make them be whatever be your butlers yeah and you don't go to your friends because you want them to be impartial you go to your friends because they're people that you trust and you want them to give you the advice that you want to hear a different perspective on right yeah like i would never go to you and be like oh my god give me your unbiased opinion on this i want aaron's opinion on this specifically yeah Yeah, you do But yes, I think she should definitely be, like, much more comfortable with using her powers. Like, I get it. It becomes fishy when she starts doing things. Like, it starts blurring the line of consent. Like, that becomes very, like, fishy. But when it comes to just kind of, like, I don't know, other things, less harmful things. Like, I don't know. I do definitely feel bad for this pilot because... I'm like, she's going to get in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. How is she going to explain it? I mean, they seem to all get away with it, right? Like, they always say, like, you know, Piper stole it. Piper, the only thing that could have possibly happened is Piper did something bad. So, like, she can put the blame on Piper later. True. Yeah. Yeah. True.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we're moving on to Leo, chapters 47 and 48. So if Leo can fly a crazy dragon, he for sure could fly a company-inspected helicopter. He's got the instinct for it, but every time he thinks too much about it, he starts to panic, which is me with everything I do. (laughs) It's like the moment I become aware that I'm doing something, like especially falling asleep. And the moment I become Mm. aware I'm falling asleep, I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's so close. That's the worst. Also driving. As soon as I become aware that I'm driving, I'm like, oh my god, I'm in a vehicle that could kill people. Oh yeah, it's so freaky. Mm -hmm. Leo asks more about the wolf house to keep his mind off of everything else. It's apparently Jack London's house, who is conveniently like a demigod, a son of Hermes. Who's Jack London? He's the author of like White Fang and Call of the Wild. Oh, okay. He's like, he, like, all of his stories takes place in, like, Alaska and about the gold rush and mm. all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I just bought his, uh, one of his books last weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was meant to be. I know, White Fang was, like, a big favorite of mine growing up, so I was like, I should own it. It's a short story. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, anyway, apparently the reason he wrote about wolves was because it was more autobiographical. Bi- biographical. <laughs> He grew up with them. <laughs> yeah. Jason also knows way too much detail about this man's life and explains that pieces of his memory are coming back to him. This is where he started his journey too, and the house is a dangerous and cursed place. Leo continues to fly, noticing a storm coming up ahead. He personally cannot believe the amazing things he's done on this quest, but it's all bittersweet. After seeing Piper with her dad, he realizes that even if everything goes perfectly, he can never see his mom again. Weirdly enough, the helicopter starts creaking in Morse code, saying, not the end, not the end. Leo focuses, knowing he's like, that's crazy, that's not a real thing that's happening. And he's like, if I start spiraling about how, like, Gia promised, you know, me wonderful things, and that, you know, she's bringing back all these monsters from the underworld, I'm going to get stuck in a really bad headspace of, like, maybe thinking she's not as bad as she is. So I need to stop thinking that. Jason immediately passes out in the back. <laughs> Shot every time Jason passes out. Yeah. And so it leaves Piper and Leo time to chat. Leo notices that Piper has changed a lot. She was more, she's like more present now. She's no longer hiding herself. He's like, it's not about looks or like her clothes or anything like that. It's just the fact that she's not, like she was always hiding her face, trying to not to be noticed back when they were in wilderness school. And now she's just very confident and just like, always aware and there and he's like wow she's she's pretty she's she's got that zazazu excuse me (laughs) he's got the zazazu (laughs) leo tells her not to worry about her dad he was he's being protected well with coach hedge but piper says she's actually worried about jason which is something leo agrees with they're both secretly worried that with the old memories jason will change as a person and who he may turn back into may not be a friend Piper explains that she needs to be able to trust Jason, and Leo understands. Piper just witnessed her father on the brink of insanity. Leo comforts her, saying she can trust Jason, herself, and also him. 
He says she's the strongest, most powerful beauty queen he's ever met. And that's when the helicopter goes into the storm clouds. All right, so chapter 48. They're hit with a snowstorm in Sonoma. Leo feels the energy of the storm, almost like it's alive and very angry at them. Leo, who originally thought it was easy to fly his chopper, who's like getting comfortable with it, is now having a very difficult time controlling it. Jason wakes up and says they must be getting close, which is like a useless thing to say. Okay. Obviously. Thanks, Jason. I know. They start to lose altitude, and Leo manages to somewhat put them close enough to the ground in a valley near a building that they can jump out just before a giant snowball completely flattens the helicopter. It seems like fighting is happening all around them, the sounds of combat ringing all over the valley. Behind them is a massive log house stone castle combo with a total haunted vibe to it. Talia emerges from the fog, covered in snow, with her quivers almost all empty. She only makes it a couple feet towards them before an ogre attacks her from behind. In a cool way, she brings the ogre down. She says that they are just in time, the hunters are holding the perimeter from the earthborns, wolves, and storm spirits. The monsters keep reforming as fast as they can kill them, and the storm is trapping them in. They can't say who is leading the charge, and they can't break Hera out of her cage. <laughs> Jace, they, go, they walk over to the house, and Jason steps over the threshold of the wolf house and immediately collapses. <laughs> I want you to know that all I can hear right now is, I'm coming out of my cage. <laughs> That's what Hera needs to sing when she comes out of her. Honestly, I would like her so much more if she was a little funnier. Yes. It would help her cause. It's like the villains. They just need a little humor. Something. I need to be like hot or have their own flags that they design. Something. (laughs) Please. Um, Leo has no time for it. He grabs Jason and is like, no, not stop it. Not you don't have time for this. (laughs) Passing out. Jason says he has memories of this place flooding back, and Talia explains that this is the place Jason and Talia were brought to when their mother said Jason died. Essentially, their mother gave him to wolves, and Lupa then raised him. I was like, that's one way to get rid of a baby. Yeah. yeah. So in this house, there's a pool. This, this is so funny to me. I'm so sorry. Okay, there's a pool where one end of the pool has some sort of creepy creature rising oh. from the water, and then the other end is like a rock cage with Tia Kaida shawl and all, like, hiding inside. So Hera. Or so Hera. Juno. Juno, Hera, yeah. one of them. Yeah. Hera is a bit of an irritated bitch, which is unsurprising, and Talia is not super into letting her out. She's like, we haven't been able to find a way to get her out, but we're also not trying very hard because she's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but the hunters need her, and because Jason asks, they decide to find a way. Hera explains that the creepy creature slowly coming out of the pool is Polyphyron and Porphyrion. Ye- you added a Y. <laughs> that is why. I was like, no, I'm What sad. is this? <laughs> Hera explains that the creepy creature slowly coming out of the other end of the pool is Porphyrion, and Gia has been using Hera's powers to help raise him from the earth. Once he's free, he will offer a choice. Marry him or be consumed by the earth. (laughs) 
She can't marry him for personal and legal reasons. She's busy being married to her brother, whom she hates. <laughs> so they need to figure out a way to free her. She specifically chose Leo because he's the smartest one. And she Is can't. He? That's what she She's like, I literally handpicked you and tortured you as a child for this moment, Leo. And, um, which is hilarious, because she's focusing on that, while meanwhile, Kronos is rising. <laughs> like, come on. You mean Porphyrion. No, Kronos, because, oh, like, oh. this is the same timeline. <laughs> while Kronos is rising, she's like, I have a project I'm working on. I'm sorry, I can't help. <laughs> I have to go put this baby in the fireplace. <laughs> same. <laughs> I got an appointment. Sorry, I'm booked full. Kara's schedule is just put baby in fireplace, torture baby with snake, ignore Zeus. <laughs> Have some cows follow Annabeth around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She can't free herself because apparently once the god is trapped, they are stuck forever until they are released by someone else. Which is like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I think you're supposed to be a god. Yeah. Leo remembers the line in the prophecy, the forge and the dove shall break the cage. Which is like, I forgot there was a prophecy. What are the other lines in the prophecy? That's the only one I remember. Because like other stuff, at least like with the other books, like line by line, you can see the prophecy happening. Until this very moment, none of them have remembered a prophecy. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of realistic. I would have forgotten it if someone said it to me. I know. I'd be like, oh, it does relate. Kind of like, you know. Uh, Mm. And suddenly he gets an idea after remembering the prophecy line. He needs Piper's help and they need time. Unfortunately, that's when the temperature drops and the venti rush in. A wolf comes in dragging a frozen Talia. Jason is furious, cracking with electricity and demands to know who did this. Kayoni, the ice bitch, emerges in theatrical style and says, yes, you are right. You are out of time or something. Elsa? Elsa? I mean, at least this one has flair. I have to give her that. I I like her. Yeah. I understand why Leo is in love with her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he can melt her frozen heart. Aww. Because <laughs> apparently that's the only thing that works is romance. Romance is the yeah. only way to solve any problem. So I had a couple of notes. Um, I think it's hilarious that Leo has more emotional connection and depth with both Piper and Jason than they have with each other. Like, the yeah. only time they've really talked to each other is to be like, wow, you're hot. <laughs> you're a knockout, Piper. <laughs> <laughs> and to be like, you look better without any makeup on, baby. You know, like, it's just useless. And then to Leo, he's like, I think I was just never loved enough as a child. <laughs> Does Leo just, is he one of those people that just radiates the, like, tell me your personal trauma energy? (laughs) Well, I think he also, he, like, is good at empathizing and picking up exactly what they're feeling. Because the entire chapter, he's, like, putting himself in Piper's shoes and is, like, understanding how, you know, scared Piper must be feeling and how much she must be doubting her own mind after seeing her father, you know, lose his mind. And he's, like, very much comforting her, and Jason's taking a nap, so, like, clearly the same thing. (laughs) He's also really deeply empathetic to his friends and even himself, which I was like, Percy's really emotionally intelligent because he is also a character that we, like, see a POV of. 
Mm-hmm. And instead of giving all of the emotional depth, they're like, Leo can have all of it for this book at least. I, he he yeah. kind of teeters. And when Percy comes back, they're like, okay, no more emotional intelligence for this back man. Back to Percy. Yeah. But, like, I was like, I love the dramatic reveal and the entrance for Keani, but, like, when will this book end? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's long. Like, it, I... It feels like one of those like old time books where people used to get paid by the by, <laughs> by the word. Like yeah. I'm like Rick, are you writing in like the early 20th century? Because like, I've literally taken the whole Enceladus chunk out of this book. Yeah. Also because they erased all of her dad's memory. Yeah, so it doesn't none of matter. That was important. They it just needed to give anything. Piper, like, this, like, I have to betray my friend. Yeah. And then she doesn't even do that. So, like, what's the point? Yeah. Just she doesn't even consider it. She kind of considers it for, like, two chapters, and then it's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then they're like, now time for the battle. And I'm like, we just had a battle. Nope. There's more battle. <laughs> but Hera's going to come out of her cage. Mm-hmm. She'll, She'll be doing be just, just fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have a couple of lightning bolt questions. Mm. Um, the first one, Joanna sent us one on Instagram. What prophecy would you want to be the main character in? So I'm thinking like, you know, we have those two prophecies in this, the seven one, and also the other random one with the dove and the forge or whatever. And then there's like the Percy prophecy from like, the PJO. So I guess, like, which one would you want to be a main character in? Uh, definitely not Percy's, because I would be so worried I was going to be the one that died the whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it would be nice to be the most powerful. Part of me says the seven, I because I don't remember this prophecy. <laughs> and because then I, like, I'll be like, oh, cool, I get to be part of a cool gang. But... yeah. Yeah, I think that would be the best. And it seems like it's, like, intense enough that there's, like, enough going on that it'll be interesting. It doesn't seem as doomsday. It is, but it doesn't seem as doomsday as Percy's. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah, not. I, I agree. My reasoning is that, you know, like, one out of, like, out of seven, I'm more likely to live, mm-hmm. you know? But in Percy's prophecy, it's mostly just about him, which... If that was me, my chances are slim. Yeah. Like, he was very lucky that it was Crook that died. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but like, it could have been... Like, Percy went into it fully believing it was going to be him, like, for the entire yeah. time. And, like, everyone else fully thought it was going to be him, too. Yeah. And that would be really shitty to just... Like, even if I didn't know, to have all my friends know and, like, you know, my love interest keep thinking I was gonna die yep make our relationship very difficult yeah it would yeah. not be yeah I think the the seven one is the move yeah for for the most likely to survive at least mm-hmm. if you want the glory I guess you could go for the Percy one <laughs> um my next question is which god would you want to fight a giant with because you know like they're required to have a god with them Mm. Um, probably Artemis, because at least she's like boots on the ground kind of god. Whereas Zeus is just like I sent a little zappity zap over to his son, and like, what if he missed? I don't think he would have tried again. He would have been like, you have one chance. Sorry. Yeah. Artemis, when she was fighting Atlas, was like going at him and like doing the most, and I think that would be useful to be because I'm not exactly um, <clears throat> a great fighter, so. I thought you were a jock. <laughs> Excuse me. Listen, I can run. 
can I run? I don't know if I can run. <laughs> I was thinking, I think I really like Artemis. That's a good one. I, I was just, I thought Apollo because I think it would be funny if he fought with music. Because <laughs> he's like the music god among yeah. all the thousands of things, but he's also the medical god. So if I got hurt, he could help me. Also, in my head, Apollo's the most attractive one. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and this is based on nothing, really, nothing. except my own personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> but, like, you know, he has so many bases covered that he could, like, you know, I get hurt, he could fix me. Yeah. He could play music, add a soundtrack to the background. Ooh. Archery, I'm not good at that. He could be good at it. Yeah. What am I bringing to the table? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my last one, who would you rather have to fight of like all the all the many, many villains that we have in this book? The storm spirits, the ogres slash earthborn, or the werewolves? I mean, at least ogres are kind of funny you just keep making shrek jokes but you can also do twilight content with the werewolves mm. storm spirits difficult to fight so they're spirits and they can literally fly and create weather like that seems difficult and there's like no content there you know well, yeah you can, like go avatar-ish yeah but i don't have powers so yeah, what exactly. am i supposed to do i'm just gonna be cold the entire time <laughs> like it doesn't sound fun so probably the ogres just just for fun. I think I'd feel bad about killing a wolf. Yeah. yeah. I said the ogres because werewolves kind of scare me. <laughs> the idea of like, what if it bites you? It's like a yeah. contagion thing, you know? That's true. Yeah. You can't storm catch ogres. Mm, I don't want to deal with storm spirits. An ogre, I feel like, you know, they're not super smart. Based on my knowledge of Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Shrek was pretty smart. Was he? I mean, he, he, he won in the end, right? He got the girl. He did. Yeah. He did. He if helped Donkey's the refugees. There, yeah. If Donkey's there, I don't think I could kill Shrek because of how much it would hurt Donkey. Well, I feel like Donkey would be the voice of reason and um, Shrek's moral compass. So I don't think mm. Shrek would be there with Donkey to begin Is with. Donkey Grover? He is Grover. <gasps> Oh, oh my, my gosh! Because Shrek has Fiona to take is Annabeth. She is good at fighting, and she she does, does have she the have brain cell. Secret? What's her dark secret? Fiona's? No, Annabeth's. Because oh. Fiona's is that she's actually an ogre. Annabeth. Oh yeah, Annabeth's dark secret is that she has a crush on Percy, and it's ruining her life. Well, also, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think we just we just we've, cracked it open, the secrets to the universe. We've done it. And they're like, what have you done? Nothing, but we've done it. Everything. We've done it. We've figured it out. We cracked the code. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Well, next week we'll be talking about chapters 49 to the end of The Lost Hero. We're so close. So again, we're going to be doing eight chapters in this last one. Yeah. Which means we both have to have Jason chapters. <laughs> it's equality. Equality. It's yeah. a gift. <laughs> um, if you're interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon. The link will be in the episode description, as well as all of the other the other links. Um, you're on social media at Camp Half Pod. And you can email us camphalfpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us now on Spotify as well. I feel like we've been saying that every episode. I know. Like, this is new. old news. I know. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening. Bye.